Welcome to the Winging It F1 podcast Bahrain preview. It's the first race of the season. We are all excited. I'm not going to ask for a cheer like Freddie did last time, but we are all excited for the first race of the season to see where all the cars stack up. F1 is back soon. So I am joined, as usual, by WTF1's own Freddie Coates. How are you, Freddie? Oh, well, we are to say that. (laughs) I'll just say what? That I'm owned? (laughs) And the voice you hear in the background there is the voice of the Nelf, Nigel Chu, who once fractured his arm in a McDonald's. Was it an interesting experience? We'll find out. Nigel, was it an interesting experience? Uh, Yes, because I went to hospital, because that's what happens when you fracture your arm. Uh, Yeah, I was about seven or eight when it happened. Did you get a Happy Meal? Was it a really heavy Big Mac? No, it was in the play area. Some big kid jumped on my arm, basically. And <laughs> that's how it happened. You were the seven-year-old in a play area, and you weren't the big kid. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Coming from oh, the man who was seven years old, 33 years ago. So <laughs> Here we go, I'm ancient. There we go. So, as we've said a few times already, it is Bahrain this weekend. F1 is returning. There's going to be a whole weekend of racing for us to watch and get disappointed by and then do a podcast after and I am excited. I hope you are as excited as me. What are we looking out for this weekend? Wow. Grand Prix. Um, I'm, that's this kind of, it's just it's just first race kind of feel, isn't it? It's like the whole like, oh my god, I can't believe this is actually happening. I can't believe we're, it's actually finally at this stage and we're all on zero and it's all to play for and I kind of think once we get to the end of the Grand Prix, it will feel a bit kind of normal. But um, like when you have that, the first lights out, it's kind of like mad. I always get so shocked by how excited and how sort of nervous I am on the formation lap of the first race of the year, especially last year when we hadn't had racing for however long. But this one, yeah, it's just you, you get you feel it in the pit of your stomach a bit. I do at least. Yeah, I get I get that feeling. The, the formation lap, that most formation laps, so especially the first race, the tension, you know, my heart rate goes even higher than it's it it's normally meant to, and it's already quite high. So <laughs> you know, it, it's it's just that build up the tension in the atmosphere, even though it is in Bahrain, not the traditional Melbourne opener. And yeah, just seeing where the cars are at. But I think qualifying for me Saturday, uh, Q3 is and is this going to be fireworks? I hope all the uh, Mercedes, the Mercedes drivers, the Red Bull drivers get through the Q1 and Q2 sessions cleanly, and then we can finally see what they've got when they turn it up to 11, as they call it, on the engine, the maximum performance, and we'll be and we'll find out if we're set for a classic season or are we going to be disappointed again (laughs) well freddie has wrestled away an off-camera opponent or something behind the camera i don't know he muted himself i've wrestled away a curtain because there was tons of sound and it just was right in my face and you know i love the sun um as a as an entity not as a newspaper but um it was just annoying (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> oh, you should have seen the other guy. I think I'm look- I'm just looking forward to seeing where the cars kind of stack up and finally like getting a running order because we haven't had that. We spend so long talking about where the cars are going to be ever since kind of last year. It feels like since last year's kind of silly season of 
um, you know, Ricardo moving and Vettel moving, you, you know, all this kind of movement with the midfield teams. And like we seem to have been talking about like where they're, where those cars are going to be since then. So I think for me, it's just like finally getting a read on where the teams are at because, you know, there's there's no hiding now. You can't kind of put anything down to, you know, just doing a different run plan or whatever, like you could in testing. It is This is the acid test for all the teams. And I think that's just, just want to know, just want to know who's up and who's on the back foot. Yeah, the 2021 season has been being set up since before winging it started, frankly. And that's just mad when you think about it. You think good like two months before we did our first episode, Science was a- announced at Ferrari and Vettel was sacked and so on. So it's, yeah, you're right, Adam. That's a really interesting point to raise that we're seeing the only three teams have kept the same lineup from last year. Seven different teams with different lineups. So that's fantastic. Mm. Yeah, I mean, what I'll say is even after the first race, which we still probably won't know because Bahrain is such an unusual track with its plenty of traction zones. It's not, you know, it's not, I'd say, you know, something like Barcelona or Silverstone, they are more representative. I don't think Bahrain's the most representative track of the calendar. It's also quite high tyre deg- degradation as well. So, yeah, I think it will definitely take a few races for for the new drivers in the new team to, to get up to speed and for us to see where every car up is at. Mm. Yeah, I think I agree. That is a good point you raised, but I I don't know. I just think you get to you get to see who the faster teams and the yeah. slower teams are. And I don't think that will, you know, change drastically over the over the calendar. So yeah, I think it is it's Bahrain. It's not got that many Bahrain style tracks in this year. Over the last few Not years, really. there's been a few more, but some of the Tilka drones have dropped out for this year. So there, yeah. um, there always seems to be a sort of bit of a weird result at Bahrain, if that makes sense. Like in 2018, you had um, Gasly in fourth. In 2019, Leclerc got pole. Um, and in 2020, Russell nearly won a race and Perez won a race, but that was obviously more circumstantial than pace. But Gasly and Leclerc, those results were done on pace. So, I mean... It's not necessarily the most representative track, um, but we could but we could see some interesting results that don't lie for the rest of the season. And also, it's the first race of the season, so it's going to be unreliable as hell. You look back to last Austrian Grand Prix, like what, 12 cars finished? You look back to quite a few Australian Grand Prix over the years, and you have only like 13, 14 cars finished. Some cars won't even make the start, I reckon. Mm, yeah, and I think Bahrain, it's... I'd say before the Turbo Hybrid era in 2014, it was a track that wasn't wasn't one of the best in terms of racing. But I think in the last six or seven years, it's become one of the highlights in terms of action we see on the track. And I'd say, say Canada, for example, that's the opposite. I'd say since the Turbo Hybrid era, it's not quite as good as it used to be before. But I think Bahrain has now become... You know, one of one of the circuits where we see good wheel to wheel action due to the due to its layout. So I think that's that'll be quite interesting. Mm, I think the jewel in the desert was quite a kind of turning point yeah. for a lot of fans' perception of it, really. And then it's yeah, as you say, gone from strength to strength since there. DRS yeah. DRS at this track is where it's at, really. That's why it's done well. I think is the is the way DRS, particularly in recent years, excuse me, has been. Um, implemented you've got it going on the main straight and you've got it on the back straight to turn four then you've got it on the 
on the back straight to turn 11, you've got DRS going to three different types of corners. You've got a heavy braking zone at the start. You've got a kind of um, heavy braking zone with really fast out um, for turn four, which is actually becoming less of a heavy braking zone. You've got turn 11, which is a really fast sweeper. So you've got lots of different ways of overtaking being able to take place with DRS, and you've got lots of opportunities to return the favour from the DRS, which is interesting, mm -hmm. I think. Yeah, that, that Hamilton overtake on Vettel in 2019 when Vettel spun as Hamilton went round the outside, that was super wild because I think the lap before or two laps before, he was so far back, but he knew there was a headwind. He just sent it round and nearly made it stick first time, but then he did it second time anyway. That is a brilliant overtake that I remember from the last few years. Yeah, I remember the post-race interview on that and there was like a young girl there who had like a paddock pass or something and he like just cut off the interview might have been with channel four halfway through and just like say hello to her and like have a photo with her i thought that was quite cool uh, but yeah the overtake was also pretty special as well i think he said he'd like looked up and seen the um like flag on top of the tower at the end of the main straight yeah. and like said he'd seen that it's that's how racing the, drivers. Uh, headwind was there and that the move was on it's mad what racing drivers use as like reference and stuff like that because um they, they pop up on the radio every now and again and say, oh, did I get a penalty? And it's like, oh, no, don't worry. It was it was the other car and that kind of thing. But they've seen it on a big screen around that someone's got a penalty or it's like they got a faster slap or something. They're like, oh, did I get a penalty? And they see it on the screen. And Michael Schumacher used to talk about it, I think. He used to just check on Ralph's race when he was going <laughs> around the track. I think it's fantastic how, how much space there is. I mean, how normal they find driving a car on the limit mid-race. And I think it's... Yeah, I think we can marvel at Formula One so much, and we are, and it's it. We don't talk about enough how fantastic their capacity is during a Grand Prix. Hundred percent. Yeah, and I think that that's one of the things that separates the great and the good drivers. The the best drivers have that extra mental capacity, whereas the good drivers might not have quite as much, and they have to be really intense and keep the focus just to get the most out out of themselves. But a driver like Hamilton, perhaps. You can work out what's going on on the racetrack and still perform at, at at his best. Yeah, definitely. And speaking of Hamilton, he comes into this not in the best form, not form, but you know, in, in the best circumstances that he's previously come into seasons. And we've spoken, you know, quite about quite a bit about this before, and we'll be doing predictions at the end of the video. But I think for me, that's this, you know, just seeing where Hamilton and Verstappen are and, out, you know, as a construct of that Mercedes and Red Bull, I think that's just, that's the battle I really want to see. You know, seeing who's on top in the middle will be great. But I think, yeah, just seeing kind of whether we do have a genuine title fight on our hands is oh, very exciting. Mm. Well, yeah, because... Nigel oh, said a few times how Red Bull don't suit Bahrain in recent years. Um, and it's kind of like, yeah, we're going to see um, if Red Bull can make it. Podium there last year. Yeah, well, yeah, that's the only time Before they've got <laughs> a podium really there. And if they can make that stick this year, then that's, that's a sign of things to come, I think. Mm, definitely. I think I'm going to use an analogy then. So, because the midfield has been so good in F1, it's like having steak and chips for dinner when the chips are really good 
when the stake's just a bit off and the stake is red ball, is the is the battle at the front. And in recent years, the stake in F1 has been a bit <coughs> rubbish. Well, the chips have been very good. Does that make sense? It makes perfect sense. I don't it often does. have steak and chips. I would have gone for <laughs> pie and... But, you know, it's it's the point stands. Yeah, I think I I, I get that. And I think in, in the midfield, I think Lando Norris is going to be someone I'm looking out for. Because I think staying at the same team, McLaren are looking good. I think he could be the person to spring a surprise. He could be the best chip. You know, like where you get a little one, but it's just oh, like really crispy. What I started? It's like a curry <laughs> where the rice is slightly undercooked. So the rice is just a bit too Why hard. Why is that poisonous? No, no, it's like it's it, the rice is just a bit too hard when you eat it, so it's really uncomfortable to eat. But the curry tastes amazing, but you can't take the rice out because you put F1 it with one is curry like already. undercooked rice, and then you get food poisoning from it. But the korma was great, so yeah. <laughs> is this F1 weekend going to be spicy? It's there to be made, and I didn't make it, and that's annoying. Who have you got your eye on? Eek. Oh, eek. Hmm. They've got each of my eyes on. Um, well, no, you can have both eyes on one person, <laughs> but I just meant, like, what have you got both of your eyes on? And then, Nigel, what Alonso. have you got both of your eyes on? Alonso. I'm interested to see where Alpine lie, because they've had such a random spread of performance over testing that they could be up there on race pace. They could be way off on quality pace or something like that. So I'm interested to see where they lie, particularly over the weekend, um, I think we're going to see some interesting shifts to our perception in midfield performance by the end of FB3 to what we've thought from testing. Um, and I think Alonso could have a very, very good weekend. Mm. I outside of the top two teams, I'm probably going to have to go with Yuki Sonoda in the Alpha Tauri. Mm. I, I still think Alpha Tauri kind of out outshine or outperform themselves in testing they won't be quite as good as they showed then but I do think Sonoda could be a bit of a challenge for Gasly and I can't wait to see how he gets on in his first weekend because as I've mentioned a few times over the last six weeks or so his ability to adapt and learn is just incredible uh, his rise from Japanese uh, Formula 4 I think it was yeah, straight to F3, straight to F2 straight to F1 and back-to-back seasons, it's just phenomenal. Mm. His testing, testing run on Sunday. On <laughs> Sorry, um, I just going to just throw this one thing. His testing run on the Sunday when he was going faster and faster and faster. Every lap was a personal best. Better, 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 better for something like fifteen laps. And he's he's still learning, but he's learning at such a rate that he could be supreme. Adam, yeah, you. He. he... Is like one of the few drivers over the last few years that had has had their F4 super license points on the license that they got into F1 yeah. with. That's how rapid his rise has been. And I think, yeah, I think seeing him and Gasly kind of where they stack up together and obviously where they stack up with the midfield as well is, you know, how, how high up there are they or, as you say, kind of have they perhaps raise expectations a bit too much from their testing performance. The team that maybe has done the opposite is Aston Martin. And I think they're probably the other team that I'm got my eyes on because I just don't know. I kind of want to know where they're at. I think their driver lineup is one of the weaker on the grid, personally. And I think it's questionable. 
I think there's question marks mm. on it because it can be amazing and it can really let you down. Um, and I think, yeah, that definitely makes it a weak lineup because it, it could be really great. Because uh, same with Vettel and Strollers, they both, like Vettel's obviously had a fantastic career and just had a really, really dire 2020. Um, Stroll has actually had some brilliant peaks. And if they can, you know, make that stick, it could be brilliant. It could be absolutely fantastic. And if they really gel with that Aston Martin, it could be grand. But like, like, we, like you say, it's just, it could, it, on basis of recent performance, it's, it's weak as hell. Yeah, the, the inconsistency of the Aston Martin drivers. In fact, in fact, when they were racing point last year, we were saying how they should have been third in the constructors with Perez and Stroll. But for me, anyway, it was a driver lineup that let them down when they should have wrapped it up early. Never mind not. And by driver it. lineup, presumably you mean Lance Stroll. Sorry, Lance Stroll. Yeah. What What did I say? <laughs> you said driver said, lineup. Driver lineup let them down. Ah, right, yeah. Well, I'm assuming that. it was only the Lance Stroll part of the driver lineup that you. Sorry, no, I meant Perez as well. Yeah. Uh, really? Well, yeah, I'd, I'd fit the first half of the season last year. Perez didn't was underperforming down, personally. I know what you mean. Um, he shouldn't I, I, I have qualified seventeenth in stereo and that kind of thing. He shouldn't have. Um, well, where was it? Hungary. He made quite a few mistakes across the whole weekend mm. in a car which should have been on the podium. Basically, mm. he did win I a race. Perez is a, it's not all bad. He did. I think Perez is a driver who, who takes his time to get up to speed, though. I think that could hurt him at Red Bull. But anyway, Aston Martin, I think we could see the same thing here with Vettel and Stroll. The inconsistency might let them down. And I don't see them challenging McLaren overall, but they've got to be careful they don't drop to, say, fifth in the constructors due to the. Due to the the bad days, yeah, <laughs> yeah, I think it's it's also tight there, and I think between us we've listed most of the teams, but yeah, I think there's pl- there's plenty to <laughs> look out for, and I think we've all got our eyes on particular garages and seeing what's happened, and like you say, the retirements, who's that going to hit hardest? Who you know, because there will be teams that are coming, you know, it could be McLaren that come in hot, and you know, we think, oh yeah, they're they're on it, and then you know, a retirement or a dodgy pit stop or whatever can really put pay to that. So mm-hmm. I think, you know, there's all those intangibles and unexpected at, events that make the sport what we like. If we look at teams that had the least laps in testing, it goes Mercedes, Aston Martin, I think McLaren. So they're three Mercedes-powered engines, um, Mercedes-powered teams even. Um, they're all Mercedes-powered engines. And um, um, I can't remember who the fourth team was, but... Um, yeah, it's it. Those were significantly lower. They're about 100 laps lower than the Alfa Romeo and Alfa Tauri, and those guys are running reliably as hell. So I kind of think it'd be interesting to see the correlation between what the failures are, because I don't want to do monger Mercedes too much, but a lot of the issues seem to lie from like Mercedes style um failures gearboxes i think mclaren has some gearbox issues as well um in the at one point aston martin definitely did but who knows it's mm. hearsay we don't know at all what we can't predict that i Ooh. think that's a coincidence that personally yeah I fair think, enough i'm not reading too much into that I, I i don't i don't doubt for one bit mercedes have an unreliable power unit because we've seen from the last seven years 
they've been <laughs> benchmark in terms of reliability. I mean, how many other than Malaysia 2016, the most famous one, I can't think of too many power unit related issues for Perez had an ERS failure in um, Abu Dhabi. Perez caught fire in Bahrain a couple of weeks before that. Um, and oh, there's going to be a few more that I can't think of on the top of my head, but I do think uh, Bottas had about three or four engine failures last year, didn't he? Um, what was... they've, they've rarely taken grid penalties, though, have they? They've never, they've never got to That's that true. stage in terms of how bad it is. It either comps out or it's just reliable. What was Latifi's um, problem at Austria 1? Oh, yeah, I had no idea. <laughs> How have you remembered that? Points, I, don't know. Um, <laughs> Thank you, like, I know, Russell, I know Russell retired. I didn't know. It might be um, Russell I'm thinking of. Russell yeah, definitely retired, but I can't remember the problem. Um, I thought I will find out now. If it, I mean, if it was gearbox at that point, it would have been a Williams gearbox anyway. So, it was um, fuel pressure. So. Okay, that's Williams level, isn't it? Or I don't know. Yeah, don't know Williams. Um, <laughs> all, the, all the Williams power cars are going to be. In trouble this year. Speaking of Williams, George Russell, we've not spoken about him much since for well, in over the winter break. How Neither did you think, to survive? Yeah. Well, what do we think he has to do to get the Mercedes seat? Because I think for me, he doesn't have to do too much. As long as he doesn't do anything too wrong, I think he's he he's got one hand on the place already. If as long as he kind of um confidently beats Latifi. I think that'll be enough, really. I mean, it, a lot of it depends where the Williams is as well, because if if we get there and the Williams is like the seventh best car, then I think, <laughs> you know, he, he wow. has to be... Well, but, you know, I'm just saying, or, you know, if, if it's the seventh best car, he has to be beating, you know, the three of the teams that are behind or, you know, kind of be around there. So I think that will di- dictate it. But if we think it is going to be kind of near the back and maybe you know, just battling the Haas or, you know, only ahead of the Haas. I think, you know, I'd expect him to beat the two Haas drivers most weekends and I think, you know, then it will come down to Latifi and and what he can do there. You're right. He's going to have a much more polished Latifi alongside them because George Russell had the advantage, obviously, of being a very good driver, but also of having a year under his belt when he was um, in the car. So he really knew how to drive the car. Um, last year as Latifi was learning all the way through we saw he was um, having a couple of mistakes in practice but he was able to put through some really really solid races with Latifi last year Um, and I think um, Latifi is going to be a step up this year and I think we'll probably be closer to Russell but that will be because of um, him really knowing how to drive the car so much more now than he did last year Um, but I do think I do think Latifi's not going to, I'm not saying Latifi's going to outshine Russell. I'm saying Russell's still going to outshine Latifi. All the thing, all the thing Russell needs to do is not punch Toto Wolf, really, and then he's probably got the drive. Yeah, I think, I think we're going to see a repetition think, of last year, to be Russell, honest. I think. Yeah. Do you think Russell will keep up his um, qualifying record against his Williams teammates? I think he will. I think, barring yeah. any. You know, if, if things are normal and there's no weird circumstances, I think it will. I, I don't see how he, he really is fantastic over one lap. He, he's kind of like Charles Leclerc at Ferrari in that aspect, where the one lap pace is just incredible. So, yeah, I, I can see him getting to what? what what's he on now? Is he on 30 something? I don't know. What yeah, he's I, know the, I know Sakir kind of messed up his 
tilt at the record yeah. because that's kind that's of how it works. But yeah, by anything. In terms of Williams, yeah, it'll be about thirty-six, maybe. Yeah. He's definitely seven fifty, I think. Oh. Mad! That's absolutely mad. It's just such a such a bonkers ability just to be that switched on. I mean, yeah, I think the Ferrari engine is going to be a bit more powerful this year, so it might not show as much. He won't. There might not be as many Q2 appearances as last year because the Haas and the Alfa Romeos might be a bit closer, um, I think. Um, but it, it's still comparing comparing him to Latifi. I think it will be some very good performances. Mm. I think that's what what we said at the start of this segment. Is I don't really see us talking about Russell that much. Like it kind of yeah, doesn't. Yeah, it feels like he's not going to get tons of points finishes and. He'll probably beat Latifi most weekends, and that's kind of it. That just feels like his existence. He plugs away at being really good, and that's yeah. it. We just let George go over there and do really well, and we rely, he's reliably fantastic. And that's that's yeah. what you want, really, from a midfield or back market team, to be honest. Yeah, I'd say it's almost a good thing because we all know how good he is, and we all think he deserves a chance in a top team. So if we are talking about him, I guess it's usually because of a bad thing or a mistake he's done, like at Imola last year when he crashed behind a safety car. So I think mm. if he's kind of out of the spotlight, that's that's a good thing. And, and if he, as long as he avoids not making three or four silly or major errors this year, yeah. he's going to be a, he's going to be in a really good place when it comes to negotiating for a, for a contract. Mm. Yeah, all very interesting to follow. Any other... F1 drivers we want to talk about or do we want to move on? Just throw Ferrari in there because obviously no one knows at all what's going on there. But <laughs> I think it's going to be interesting to see where they are in two or three races, if I'm honest. I'm, I'm more looking at that as like an arc rather than as where they are solidly this weekend. I think Ferrari is going to be an interesting one developing over the season. There's not really much to add to that, I think, for me. I think seeing where science stacks up against Leclerc for me because he's obviously come on from you know, difficult spells at Toro Rosso and Renault and now had two fantastic years at McLaren and now it kind of resets and that performances and beating Norris at McLaren will, will only go so far if he's not kind of on pace with Leclerc. So I think seeing where they stack up is, yeah, I think that's going to be a fascinating one. I think equally though, it's like Bahrain won't be kind of the the be all and end all. Mm. I think I'd I'd be surprised if he is up to speed, really. Yeah. You know, this early on and coming from a different setup and a different engine manufacturer, etc. So, I think that'll be something to kind of watch over the you know first half of the season, say. But even so, that's yeah, definitely something to keep mm. in mind. Especially especially Leclerc at Bahrain as well. He's had some incredible performances there in his F two career. His first ever race, yeah. he, he stormed through the field in the feature race. Uh, he had his first pole position there, should have won uh, his first race there at Ferrari in 2019. And I think it was last year, didn't he qualify fifth in the in, well, it was in the Sakir race, wasn't it? On the outer layout, he pulled out an unbelievable lap. Uh, he, I think he got out of the car after one lap in Q3 because he knew he couldn't do any more. And yeah, uh, yeah. he qualified fourth or fifth there. I think so, it was fourth from the top of my head. It was fourth. Yeah, um, Bahrain's one of those tracks where it's, it's one of Leclerc's best tracks, I think. I think looking at science, he's a race guy as well, more in my eyes at least. 
Um, if you look at where he's, he had the edge on Norris, it was in the races because Norris outqualified in both seasons, only just, albeit. But um, it, he's 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 going to be more up there in the races, I think. And I think that's what he needs to focus on because, like you say, Nigel, um, Leclerc's one lap pace is phenomenal. Definitely, yeah. Mm. Should we do some quick fire predictions now? Yes. Before we move on to F2, which we will be covering after the predictions, because it's the start of that this weekend as well. Ooh. Very exciting. Great format. <laughs> yeah, we will talk about No comment. That. We will get on to it. Um, but yeah, F1 predictions, winner and podium first of all. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I said Verstappen will win last week, so I've got to stick by that, even though as we get closer to the, to the season, I'm really scared Mercedes are going to come up with some brand new concept. You are I'm allowed to have swap. To... You, like, yeah, you don't have to change just... your mind. Like this, yeah. It's... Um, what... Bottas. I... Oh, wow. Bottas. Bottas, Verstappen, Perez. One, two, three. That is bold. Thanks, <laughs> I'm going to... Is Go. Hamilton off the podium on pace or an incident? Hey, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't know. <laughs> I'm asking you. All right. You don't me. have to answer that, Freddie. <laughs> <laughs> this is going uh, well. I don't know I'm why gonna, this podium's happened. I'm, I'm going to go Verstappen, uh, Hamilton, Bottas. I'm going to go Verstappen. Hamilton, Norris. Ooh, I like that. Throw a cheeky throw a Norris in there. Did you ask pole position as well, Adam? What? Did you ask pole position as well? Who do you think is going to be on pole position, Nigel? Oh, right, okay. Uh, (laughs) Lewis Hamilton. I don't know what what race I'm watching on Sunday, but it's going to be fantastic. (laughs) Lewis gets pole and then ends up off the podium through not bad pace and not an incident. It could be anything. This is it could F1. be an incident. It could be bad pace. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, it could be bad luck. It could be like could a be safety car or virtual safety See, car. Nigel agrees with me. Nigel yeah, thinks well. it's going to be a Bottas for Stappen yeah. Perez result. Dangerous with Alonso <laughs> returning. Bit of a, a around those uh, allegations. Alonso's going to just, just... Did you see um the first virtual Grand Prix they did last year with Johnny Herbert just cut the corner and just went into oh, yeah. first? Alonso is going to do that. He's, uh, gonna, he's just back think... to shithouse the entire Formula One Grand Prix series, championship, everything. He's going to win it. He's going to just by completely messing around. Like, oh no, I'm in your way. <laughs> That's yeah. it. I'm not sure. That didn't sound too Spanish, but I'll take your word for it. I wasn't really going for Spanish. I don't know what I was going for. No. <laughs> Neither do I. No, um, you've had enough time. Who's pole position, mate? Yeah. It's oh, stalling the for you. Oh, cool. There we go. <laughs> Freddie, are you going Alonso or? I said Hamilton. Hamilton. Okay. Oh. I'm tempted don't to go. have to be different. <laughs> What's that? I don't know. Go for it. Verstappen isn't a very pole position y type of person. <laughs> That's I'll because he's Bottas. not been in the, the best car. Go Bottas. There we go, Bottas. I think. Yeah. 
Not sure. I'll go for but yeah, Bottas. Go on, lad. Get yourself a pop. <laughs> Who will be higher finishing out of Yuki Sonoda and Fernando Alonso? Fernando Alonso. Two young drivers coming back in. Two young drivers. <laughs> yeah, I Fernando think Alonso. Alonso as well. Yeah. According to the test, that's all I'm saying. Yeah, you don't don't trust tests ever. Ever. Yeah, I'll go Alonso as well then. Why not? <laughs> Actually, Will this two-time yeah, world champion do better than this yeah, guy in a I'll... worse car? Hmm. I mean, that's what you would Based have said when... previous years. Yeah, I mean, you could have thought, will this two-time champion do better than this rookie in 2007? And look how that went. But anyway, they ended up doing exactly the same. Um, Again, it comes it comes down to testing. Yes. How many finishes? Did, like, I'm limited testing in that car, so he's up to pace, to be fair. He sat there for the whole of 2006 off-season. Wiggling it around. Yes, that's a clip. Um, how many finishes will there be? Six, 16, I think it'll be. Uh, I'll, I'll say 15. Too high attrition. Oh, go. One, five. 17, then. Mm. 17, not that bad. And attrition. Oh. Okay, well, those are the predictions locked in that we'll then probably forget about when we come to <laughs> do the review. What? Well, let's not. Let's actually remember the predictions this year. Right. How about that? I'll, I'll write them Let's down. Um, okay. well, we've already forgotten our championship predictions from last week. <laughs> no, I haven't. I think I have. Awesome <laughs> Mercedes. <laughs> so, Paul, um, Bottas for Adam, Hamilton for me, and Verstappen for you, Nigel? Yes, yeah. <laughs> I'll tell you what will be interesting while Freddie's doing that. This is going to be proper F1 nerdy chat, but I think it'll be interesting to be to see whether it's a one-stop or a two-stop, because the tyres are harder. Mm. But last year, it was a two-stop. I think for the last few years, it has, it's has. it been a two-stop strategy in Bahrain due to its tyre wear. So whether there's a difference between Red Bull and Mercedes, one's easier on its tyres, perhaps. Uh, and if Perez, is, Perez is, eh, if Perez is up there as well, Red Bull could split the strategy, mm. perhaps, or do, do something different. So I think that can be fascinating on Sunday. Yeah, I think I I agree. And will you get kind of someone from the field like, you know, I don't know, yeah. Sebastian Vettel or whoever, like trying to go long on, mm. you know, our ties and getting a top five or whatever because of it. I think that'll be a good line to follow. So yeah, that's all our round of the F1 until we have the quiz later on. But first we have a look into F2 because as we've already said, that returns this weekend as well, and it is as exciting, if not more exciting, definitely more even than the F1 season. But firstly, as Nigel has already hinted, there is a slight format change slight. going on. So do you want to tell the lovely listeners about that? I mean, to be honest, I can't, I don't know what, there's three races, I know that, but I don't know how. I can do it, I wrote about it yesterday. Yeah. Um, Thank you. So, um, <laughs> Friday remains the same. You've got a practice session and a qualifying session. Saturday, before before practice three for the Formula One, you have a 45-minute sprint race, and the, the top 10 of that grid are 
reversed from the qualifying results. So if you qualify on pole, you will start 10th. Then sprint race two goes after qualifying on Saturday. Um, and from those, those races, the results, the grid is the top 10 flipped from the results of sprint race one. Makes sense. Um, and then Sunday morning, you've got the feature race, which is the starting grid is from the qualifying session on Friday. It seems to put a lot of onus on 10th place, um, which is interesting, an interesting decision. Um, it's, it, it makes sense because they're trying to get more races into fewer rounds because of cost-cutting measures, because they had F2 and F3 going to so many rounds last year. What they're having now is F2 going to some and F3 going to some, and it's F2 and F3 money is ridiculous at the moment. So it's going to try and bring that way down, which is a very good thing. And it means that the final race of the season will be a feature race, not a sprint race. So it will offer more points, um, which will also be very good. But it is a bit reverse, like two reverse races and one non-reverse race is a little bit tetchy. Mm. I'm just, yeah, I'm just not a fan of reverse grid races whatsoever, really. I think it only works in touring cars, but... I'm not even the biggest fan of it in that. So to have two reverse grid races in uh, the the series that is the next one to F1, it's just madness to me. I, I don't, I just, I just don't really get it. And if we qualify, say eleventh or twelfth, you're hindered for two of the three races, which I don't really think is right. Or, or mm. say if you have a reliable a, a problem. In qualified and it's not your fault and then well that was yeah, the same that was the really same last problem. year last year if, if you, you really finished ninth three races, you were hindered whereas now if you finish problem last it's year it was three, if you though. finished ninth you wouldn't get into the reverse or anything and you'd be hindered whereas this year it's only 11 so it's more cars can be involved in that kind of situation and if you're 11th or 12th you've got a chance of getting to 10th rather than yeah. a, a lesser chance of getting to eighth to get into the reverse that kind of thing mm. so I there is it's... more option to be fair yeah i think it, it would hinder two races, but at least you get one of the sprint races. If you qualify 12th and you make your way up to, I don't know, 8th, and you've suddenly got a great starting position yeah. for the second. But the problem race. is, there's three races for each venue, yes. and, and there's less venues. So then it's a much bigger problem. And it's, but it's, it's cheaper. A problem. It's, it's, this is not the way to make it cheaper, I don't think. I don't think changing the format is the best way to make it cheaper. If you want to make it cheaper... Or to start a currency team. and peg something to the euro and do all of that kind of stuff. <laughs> it's impossible well, to control inflation, to be honest. The best way to control F1 inflation is to we can try. F1 should help out, I think. They probably should. They probably should have a scholarship scheme for positions in Formula 3 to the positions it, in Formula 2 and so on, and presumably positions to Formula 1 on top of that. What the, the PR line when reverse grid sprint races were brought in for GP2 in 2005, when it started, was that um, the fast drivers will have the opportunity to be in a feature race, a fast race. They've got an opportunity to qualify and it show their one lap success. And they've got an opportunity then to show their driving through the field prowess and their racing skill. And, you know, they're, they're, they're trotting that out again. I mean, it, it's just PR line, but that's, you know, that's how we've got to look at it. And we've got to, we've got to appreciate the fact that we can complain about the fact these races are happening, but they're happening and we can still see who's good because the, the cream will still rise to the crop. Top. what yeah cream of the crop will rise to the top Lightly mixed so up, have a pot. yeah i think 
It feels like one of those that the like if you're going from a you know like Mick Schumacher or George Russell before him or even Leclerc before him, um, they've all gone from winning F2 to then being in a you know backmarker car, Leclerc less so, but you know it's still he just totally outperformed that car. So I, th- I guess maybe it is a bit more representative of how it's going to be when they get into F1 that they're not going to be banging it on the front every time. But mm, that doesn't really work. That's just, playing, that's just playing a weak devil's advocate, to be yeah. honest. I don't agree with that. But, no, I don't you know, think you can probably anyone does. <laughs> well, that's fine. You know, it, it, it is what it is, I guess. And yeah, I'm still probably going to watch really. it. So, <laughs> you know. Yeah, <laughs> it's more. It's, I mean, it works for F3 if that makes sense. Like, in terms of it gives F3 a spotlight more so, if that makes sense. Like, rather than having F3 at 8 o'clock every morning and no one watching it, you've got F3 on the features, the um, the prime time slots after qualifying and that kind of thing. And that would be interesting. Yeah. Like, I, I guess if it was me, I would just have two qualifying sessions for two feature races. That's what I'd do. Fair enough. That's simple. Hmm. I don't know. I think I liked, I quite like the old style, but it's just, I don't know, clearly doesn't work in this, in where they're trying to take it and trying to make it cheaper for people. But should we get onto the drivers after we talk about the weekends a lot? (laughs) People that are actually going to be driving in the weekend. There's plenty of interesting names that I think it's quite a stacked field. There's a few good drivers coming up from F3 as well. But not Logan Sargent, which is a shame. He's got no money. But anyway, yeah, that went to court or something. <laughs> but he did. He liked my uh, American feeder series drivers piece, so you know he's a he's a good lad. Anyway, um, who are we going to be looking out for in this? I'm looking forward to seeing Oscar Piastri in the Prima because Prima obviously are top dogs. Um, Robert Schwartzman next to him is going to be a tough nut for him to crack, but Robert, um, but Oscar Piastri did so well last year. That I think he's going to be really interesting to see in a really good car. Um, Jane Deruvela seemed to finally get on top of Formula Two at the end of last season. Apparently, he had car issues all year until he started to qualify on the front row, which is fair enough actually, because if he was qualifying on the front row when he when he didn't have car issues, and he's clearly a decent driver, so he could be all right in in a Red Bull back Carlin. Um, Anyone else before I hog everyone? I was meant to talk to I, um, I love... Oscar Piastri at Autosport International because he was showing off his Euro Cup car. But then he wasn't there because he was finalising his Formula 3 deal. So I couldn't. So that was a shame. Mm. That's my main takeout. Is the Renault Academy still running? Yeah. Oscar Piastri, entity. Christian yes. Lingard, Guan Yu Zhou. Yeah, the, I mean. Is it now yeah, the Alpine you... Academy? Yes. Yes, it is. It's like, like a Lungard skiing um, school. But anyway, sorry, Nigel. It's all right. Yeah, Lungard. <laughs> oh, yeah, um, you mentioned... So yeah, Christian Lungard. Sorry, Nigel. <laughs> I think that, that's the no, one I that I was looking out for is, is the day. Of the episode. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think Christian Lungard was that good well. in 20, 2020. I don't think he was one of the most exciting people that year. Hmm. I think he will be one of the big heavyweight drivers though this year. I think I think him and Schwartzman are probably gonna battle it out for the championship, I think. And I I love the ART lineup of of Lungard and Theo Porsche quite rate 
very, very highly. Mm. I think yeah. he could be a huge star uh, if slash when, hopefully, he gets to F1. So I think ART are going to have the best lineup for quite a few years, their best season for quite a few years because they've had a slightly disappointing campaign recently or a few campaigns. <clears throat> but I think it's a fantastic lineup they've, they've got. So I'm, I'm looking out for them this year. I think the high tech lineup will be interesting. I don't know if they're going to be good, but it's kind of yes. two drivers that have had eyes on them for a quite a while with Liam Lawson and Yuri Vitz. Liam Lawson, I think, benefits from having an alliterative surname. But anyway, that's just my theory. Uh, Vitz people... is a very important person, so you've got to throw that in there as well. Yes. Um, He's several... High tech. High tech were good last year. Um, mm. With Giotto and, and Mazepin, they had actually good pace in that car for a new team. So I think if you look at Lawson and Vips both having always shown pace when they've been in the car, Vips came in to support um, um, Dams when um, Sean Galeal had his injury last year. And with no testing in a Formula 2 car, ended up doing some really, really good races in the few he did. So I think Vips will be good. I think Lawson is a is a handy, handy peddler. So... It'd be interesting to see him. There's a lot of really cracking a cyclist. It's a phrase people say it. Um, there's some really cracking Not people. Marcus Armstrong is um, another one that I'm throwing in there. I think he could do something similar to what Ilot did last year, where they have kind of like an okay results in first season and just be one to beat. Drugovic is another one who could do that. He's yeah. transferred to United Virtual OC, so he's got a bit of a better team around him and yeah I think I think he could be one to kind of look at as a breakout star could he be Brazil's next F1 driver well I said he would be and then Pietro Fittipaldi got a drive so that went well but I think he could I think he could yeah. still take that mantle it's a star-studded field this year last year's mm. the lineup was good I think this is one of the best I'd say uh, I think ever I think. The, the issue with the issue that I see is how many F1 drives are going to be open? Yeah. I think that's kind of, if you look at, I don't know if Schumacher's contracted to 2022, but you yeah, imagine like, uh... Mazepin's going to be there and Sonoda, we all think, you know, we all rate him. So, you know, he could, you know, we feel like he has it within him to stay on the grid. Mm-hmm. And then you look at the drivers outside, you know, who XF1 drivers who could still come back in or who could be shopping around for a seat. I think, and I think half of the seats are already locked down in terms of contract time for 2022. So I think that's kind of the, the main issue I see with it is there's not, outside of maybe Alfa Romeo, there's not that many, you know, and I guess if Vessel has a bad year, would he look at retiring? I don't know. But there doesn't seem to be that many, like, clear-cut opportunities to get to get in a seat for 2022. You've got to start. Oh. Go on for it. I think Freddie's going to say the point I'm going to say. Is it the rule oh. changes? Um, no. I was going to say. Oh, okay. I was going to say the rule changes as well for F1 next year. I think the teams might want experience and con- maybe continu- continuity as well. So I think that doesn't help the F2 drivers as well. I'm going to throw in that you. It really depends on the campaign. If you, we've got so many talented drivers here that no one's going to really leap out as a dominator. George Russell forced himself into a, into the Williams seat because he was mega. Charles Leclerc um, leapfrogged um, Giovinazzi to a Sauber seat because he was mega. Like um, you got to look at it like that. And I kind of think if someone 
comes out from this this field as fantastically above everyone then that's kind of fine for me if other people don't get seats really because if someone's just categorically better then they deserve it more and if, if, it depends how it how it flows we obviously don't know how the f1 season's going to go um i really wouldn't be surprised if kimmy raikkonen stays again that kind of thing so it's just a case of seeing how the f1 season goes and seeing how the f2 season goes it's, it's i think it's a bit early to write off chances for some of the formula one i think it really depends on how their how their season goes i mean yeah guan yu Zhou, i think obviously comes with the um, allure of a Chinese driver, but it's his third season in F2, and both his other seasons mm. have been reasonably mediocre, frankly, for what you'd expect. Um, and he's a Sheffield lad. He's a Sheffield lad, Sheffield so we like him. But, to, uh... but it's that kind of thing. He needs to dominate, otherwise he's got no hope of getting mm. to Formula 1, frankly. Yeah. There's different targets for every driver. Yeah, exactly. And the two, two drivers you mentioned then, Russell and Leclerc, they were mega in the first season in F2, so that's yes. what Tail Porsche, you know, I'm hoping if, if he can do what Sonoda did last year and do as well as he did in his first season in F2, that's what can make you stand out. Or we saw Mick Schumacher's first season, he was all the way down in 12th and he wins the championship the following year. But because of his rookie season where he didn't perform, you know, too greatly, we don't see him as a superstar in F1. We think he might be a midfield driver. You know, he, he's that he would. You know, personally, I don't think he's going to be a world champion in F1. But if if a rookie F2 driver can do really well, then that's what makes them really stand out to the to the other uh, to the F1 teams. And that's where the where the second or third F second or third year F2 drivers they have to win the championship pretty much. And the thing with Teo Porcher is the way he um, performed in Formula Three. His first weekends in Formula 3 were basically nothing weekends because of issues out of his control. And then, out after Austria, he was the highest scoring driver across the season. So, if you take out those first races, he would have won the title there. And people forget that about Teo Porcher because he wasn't there from the start, whereas Piastri and Sargent and Vesti were. So, um, I think you've got to look at that for Porcher. If Porcher has a clean year, I think, yeah, I think Nigel, you're right. I think he's going to be probably the most exciting. Mm. We haven't talked about Dan Titson much. Do you have any thoughts on, yeah, on him? He's in a good car as well. I've got mm. literally no thoughts on him at all. He could do really <laughs> well. I think he could have a really, really some, good season. Some people see him as like, uh, one of the favourites for the championship. It's like there's eight, like eight to ten drivers that you feel like could, or not you specifically, but just we feel like could have a great season. It's That's quite brilliant. Into... That's fantastic. Oh, yeah, That's it's exciting. fantastic. One one mm. more name that I would just mention is Gianluca Petakoff at <laughs> Campos because he had funding issues last year and won uh, Formula Regional Europe yeah. and Frack. then left the Ferrari Driver Academy and didn't get... Uh, place in F3 and then he suddenly turned up in F2 which with you know not a fantastic team which you know is will kind yeah. of hinder his impact and I don't know I just think it will be it'll just be interesting to see where he is because it feels like quite a tough position to be in but equally 
he has got a seat in F2 and it's, that kind of it didn't he, at some point last year it didn't even feel like he finishes formula regional campaign so to kind of be it, in this position is is crazy it's fantastic for him that he's got the drive but it's it's Gianluca Petakoff at Campos it's that kind yes. of thing it's it's yes. like this is definitely a bedding in year to get to I don't know you and I virtuosi next year or dams next year it's kind of like Campos feels to me is what's held back Jack Aitken because he came into yeah. went, his second season in was in Campos and he was fantastic but that's because the field wasn't great if he if he was in a ART or a Dams that year he probably could have fought for the title against De Vries, I think and I think it's Campos is um, kind of not necessarily going to be up there in, in a way that that driver kind of mm. deserves special shout out to Matteo Nanini driving for HWA, he's also doing the F3 season. <laughs> so um, <laughs> with the with the opportunity of having split rounds for F2 and F3, he's going to do both of them. So fair play to the lad. HWA are much better in F3 than they are in F2. So I guess his focus will be a bit more there. And he also competed in F3 last year for um, uh, Genza, I think. So he could be one to watch for F3, but he's also going to be in F2. So that's fun. Just go, go, going for him. both championships. Why not? Do it. Just don't ask about his F2 teammate. Um, and also a special shout out to Artem Markalov, who is not in the championship after what? about no, 100 years. I don't, I don't believe it. <laughs> he has finally left to make way for Nanini coming in. So, <laughs> yes, a special shout out to him. But yeah, I think I don't know. It, feel, it just feels like such a stacked field and yeah, it's going to be very exciting to watch and I guess, you know, some drivers will have disappointing seasons and that's the nature of it, but yes, it does generally, genuinely feel like there is a lot of talent and optimism coming through compared to last year where you had Joe Eilat Schumacher, who it kind of felt like, I'm not sure, they didn't have a great season last year. And then this year it's like all these drivers are coming through and all of them had decent seasons or show potential and yeah it's just a fantastic championship mm. if only the format and calendar was better <laughs> and there we go fight them Nigel. fight the fight the power do you want to channel that emotion into a quiz yes uh, fight yes. the nigel <laughs> don't know nigel <laughs> so <laughs> the first pre-race winging it quiz of the season and it's the grudge match that we've all been waiting for no one's been waiting for Freddie Coates voice of the south versus Nigel Chu voice of the north voice of the Wigan mm. no, in Coventry not actually right now but in you know figuratively I'm from Coventry and that's in the, the middle Coventry. yeah it's a fight over the Midlands anyway what's the Midlands it was Third in Q1 at the 2020 Bahrain Grand Prix. Freddie. Yep. Perez. No. This is going to be a very long quiz. Who was but I don't know. Norris. No. Freddie. Yep. Uh. Science. No. Give oh. Nigel a guess, and then I'll give a hint. Okay, Nigel, have a guess. 
Don't get it right, though. Hamilton? No, he was top in all three sessions. It's an old favourite of the channel. Pretty. Alex yep. Alban. Alex Alban. <laughs> Alex Presumably he had to do a second run. That's why he's so high up. <laughs> Wikipedia doesn't specify that much. It was Hamilton, <laughs> Stroll, Alban, Bottas, Verstappen. Wow, what Gasly track evolution. <laughs> I think he qualified fourth, though, didn't he? He had a decent running part, right? Yeah. He had a podium thanks to Perez's failure mm. at the end. Yeah. I also look up the other day what the hell happened to Bottas in that race. He finished eighth. Yeah. He had, he had a slow puncture at the restart, second restart, so I had to then do a two stop. Mm. Um, so, yeah, that was weird. I completely forgot about that. Obviously, there was a bigger impact on that race. One nil to Freddie. Question two. Which has the higher population, Bahrain or Oklahoma City metro area? Freddie. Yes, Freddie. Bahrain. Yes. Oklahoma. Oh. Bahrain just. It's by about 100,000, which I, th I thought it'd be a lot bigger. But not Oklahoma would be a lot smaller. But there you the go. metro area of Oklahoma City as well. But that, is, that encompasses, like, I think it like doubles the population or something. Fair enough. So, I know nothing about Oklahoma. No, I do, clearly. Um, yes. Question three. Which overtake won overtake of the year 2020? Nigel. Yep. Oh, I've messed up. I've thought of the wrong thing. <laughs> I've, I've, I've thought of the action of the year, which is Raikkonen's overtake, but it's not that. No. Freddie. George Russell overtaking Valtteri Bottas oh, in the Sakir Grand Prix 2020. What isn't a good overtake? No, it's not, but it won. So, yeah. hmm. unvoting. What was, over, what was actually the overtake of the year? Because I'm trying to remember. There was one there was about three laps later when Gas science did it. Gasly on uh, Perez for me at Spa. Oh, yeah. Yeah. The Irish one. Yeah. Fair. Yep. But hey, it's democracy. Vettel won two drivers, drivers of the day last year. Hamilton won. How does it work? I don't know. Anyway. He drove on the day. Yep, that is true. Who was the last Japanese driver to score points at Bahrain? Freddy. Yep. Kamui Kobayashi. No. I was, before you answered, I was about to say it's not who you're thinking of. But Nigel. I reckon it's Nakajima. No. Freddy. Takuma Sato. It was Takuma oh, Sato. If it wasn't bad. those three, it's going to be no one. So, <laughs> yeah, it could be Yamamoto, who didn't score a point ever in his F1 career. Was he um, in F1 before Bahrain was? No, he was in the 2007 season. Oh, okay. Yeah. I'm getting mixed up with someone. Really? Might be getting mixed up with Taki and Nui. God. Poor Ahead of the 2020. <laughs> And it's the 2020 Bahrain Grand Prix. Who is leading the championship between Sergio Perez and Danny Rick? Freddie. Yep. Danny Ricardo. Nigel. I think it's Sergio Perez, but I'm not sure. <laughs> Certainly it's Sergio Perez. Nigel gets his name on the board for the oh, year. I got a 50 50 oh, question right. <laughs> oh, so the other 50 have been declared wrong. <laughs> Yes, yeah, on the board for the year. Will it be the first of many? Will it be the first of one? We will see. I'm not uh, even how on many the boards? Board yet, but oh. I'm not taking part in the quiz. 
How many Ferrari drivers have won at Bahrain while driving for Ferrari? Freddie. Yep. Four. Yes. Do you want to name oh. them for sure. kudos? Um, Vettel, Alonso, Schumacher, Massa. Yeah, Massa won two back to back. Back to back boy. Underrated driver, Massa. Should be a world champion. And he's also an overrated driver at some point of his career. It's mad. His FE career, maybe. I don't know. Exactly. Who knows? <laughs> In the 2018 Bahrain Grand Prix, who was the fastest Renault powered driver? Ready. Hmm? Um, damn it, I forgot. Oh, no, 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 no. I've got it. It is, it is, it is, it is, it is Verstappen. No, he retired. Ignore me. Nigel, you go. Uh, the fastest? Well, the highest placing. Oh, yeah. highest placed. Yeah, both rebels retired, didn't they? So it's got to be Hulkenberg. Certainly is. Nick O. Hulkenberg. Yeah. yeah. The link there is Alonso, was in a Renault powered car. Oh. So I, you have, I got mixed up back. with Gasly, but he was in Honda Power, wasn't he? So, Yeah, just a bit. Um, I believe that's 5-2. I might have lost count slightly, but I think it's 5-2. It, has there been seven questions? I think so. That is 5-2. Can you name the two events that caused the two red flags in second practice last year? Ready? Yep. Uh, no. Okay, Nigel. <laughs> uh, I think one was Jack Aitken. The, no. the Bahrain Grand Prix. Not oh, second. yeah, he didn't race at Bahrain Grand Prix. That, that's not helpful. No, he didn't. I'd be mad if, if it was because of Jack Aitken. He screwed up Russell's... Um... <laughs> oh, was it a dog? It was oh. a dog. Yeah. Yes, of course there was a dog. <laughs> it was a dog. Was that two red flags is the same dog? Big dog. No. One was oh. a different thing. Okay. One was Hamilton. Freddie, 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 I've got it, I've got it, I've got it, I've got it. It was Albon's massive crash. It was Albon's massive crash. I can't remember that crash. You well, wiped everything about Albon from your mind. <laughs> it's catharsic that you don't remember it. Yeah, it was the one at the final corner where he tried to catch it and then just booted it into the wall, essentially. <laughs> Uh, then they clipped Christian Horner on Drive to Survive, going, he never just has a normal weekend. Never just go through practice and then qualifies well. He doesn't. <laughs> Although he did qualify well. We just said that. <laughs> He's yeah. okay. He crashed and then came third. In Q1. But hey. Um, and in the race. Okay. I'll give one point each for that. So it's 6-3. Oh, yeah. Of the items, of the 21 items listed on Wikipedia as examples of sports washing, how many aren't in the Middle East? <laughs> Let's do a closest wins for this. Uh, Six. I reckon three. Seven. Yeah. Yep. I was running through the wall of my mind, obviously. <laughs> that's the purity of sport. So that's seven three to Freddie. As we go on to the last question... Who got fastest lap in the 2020 Sakir Grand Prix? Freddie. Yeah. George Russell. Was George Russell first 
fastest lap under a minute in any F1 race ever. Beating yeah. Jody Schechter's time at a track that I can't remember. Over a minute. Yes. <laughs> but that is all. Freddie is the first winner of the season. We'll try to keep count for this year, but we probably forget at some point. But we hopefully won't. And we really hope you have enjoyed our borrowing preview and you have learned something about the race or about the F2 race or about both and are looking forward to as much as we are we will be doing a review afterwards after the race coming out on sunday evening or monday morning depending on how quickly we turn it around and yeah it's going to be a lot to talk about and we're looking forward to talking about it then but in the meantime enjoy the race and goodbye bye